Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Keith, thanks for doing our reading today. Would you join with me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for hearing from God's word? Let's pray together. Our precious Lord, you are the source of all truth. You also are the source of all love. We thank you that you teach us truth and you do it in a way that expresses your love. We pray, Lord, as we listen to your truth today from your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak, and he'd speak through me words that are truthful but delivered in a loving way so we can live our lives in a way that shows others your love and our love for them. Lord, we're mindful of those who right now are going through difficult times. We have loved ones that are hospitalized right now and some who are at home sick and unable to be here. We pray for them and ask you to touch them with your healing touch. Do you administer to them physical health, but also emotional and spiritual health? Lord, do you give peace and strength to their caregivers as well? Lord, for those who are struggling with personal issues today and difficult times in their life, we pray, Lord, that they'd find strength from you, and as we already sang, that where their faith is wavering, they'd find you to be faithful, Lord. We thank you that you are with us, and Lord, may we be reminded of that even when we don't sense your presence, that we know that you have gone before us, that you are behind us, that you are beside us, and you are with us. Thank you, Lord. And now we ask for you to speak. And we ask these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue today in our series in the book of Romans that's entitled Truth Matters because truth does matter. And today's sermon is entitled Truth Matters but so does love. So does love. We need that balance between truth and love in our lives. There are some things in life that basically no one likes to do. Uh, one of them is going to the dentist. Usually you don't want to go to the dentist, but you go to the dentist because you have to. And, and the poor dentist, the dentist gets people there that don't want to be there. They complain while they're there. They don't treat the dentist very well. And perhaps that's why on a list of professions that lead to suicide, dentists are number two on the list. <laughs> so the next time you have to go to the dentist, I'd encourage you to be nice to your dentist. As I was a kid growing up, I saw my dentist literally every single day. It's not because I had bad teeth, it's because my dad was a dentist, <laughs> and he was my dentist. <laughs> but most people don't want to go to the dentist. Something else that most people don't like to do is to pay taxes. And Americans can whine with the best of them, even though our tax liability isn't as big as some other people's. 
In the U.S., we have seven personal income tax brackets, and they range from 10 percent to 37 percent. And the average person is somewhere between 22 and 24 percent of their personal income they pay to federal income tax. Well, there are people that pay a lot more than that, and there are some countries that are ranked the top 10, and I'm going to tell you what those top 10 are, starting with the bottom on the list. If you live in Slovenia, Israel, or Belgium, they're tied for 10th place. They pay 50% of their personal income in taxes. Aruba is next at 52%. Sweden next at 53%. Austria, 55%. Japan and Denmark are tied for 56%. Finland, 57%. But the country where you have to pay the highest rate, which is 60% of your personal income in income tax, is the country of... You're not going to guess. Ivory Coast. Who knew? Now, you say, well, aren't there some places I could move to where there's no income tax? Well, yeah. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Qatar. Kuwait. Bahrain. Dubai. Bahamas. Guess sounding better. Bermuda. But keep in mind that you'd have to renounce your U.S. citizenship if you move to those countries if you don't want to still pay your U.S. tax because wherever you live as a U.S. citizen, you still got to pay your taxes. In our current expositional study in the book of Romans, we already saw in chapter 13 that good Christians are good citizens and they pay their taxes. In Romans chapter 13, if you have your Bibles or your smart devices, if you'd like to turn there, Romans 13 verse 7, we saw that we are to render to all what is due them. And then we have a list. Tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And as Paul's writing to his readers in the Roman Empire, they paid a whopping 1% of their income for their income tax. You go, well, that's not too bad, 1%. Well, they had some other taxes too. They had what's called a ground tax. And so whatever you grew from the ground, you had to give one-tenth of your grain or if you grew grapes and made wine, you had to give one-fifth of your wine to the government. And you could give it in cash or kind. You can give them bottles of wine. There were also road taxes for using the roads and bridge taxes. There were custom taxes for importing things. There were taxes if you owned an animal or a cart. So they had various taxes they had to pay. Well, the Apostle Paul tells his readers, and God tells us that we should pay all those customs and all those taxes. We're supposed to do that. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom. And so while he's speaking about paying our debts, he moves from public debts to private debts. Not just debts you have to pay to the government, but debts you pay to other people. And so then in verse 8 of Romans 13, Paul writes, Owe nothing to anyone. In other words, pay your debts. He's not saying you can never go in debt, but he's saying you should pay off your debts. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Good Christians pay their debts. Not just to the government, but to anyone they owe money to, they pay their debts. Good Christians don't avoid paying back what they borrow from someone. They don't fail to pay their rent or their school bills or their dental bills. In other words, and this is number one on your outline, we have five things we're going to cover. I know grown five things. Good thing the sermon's short. It just has a lot of points. 
you're watching online, there's a sermon available for you on our website. If you came in the room, there's some sermons by the door. You're welcome to jump up and get one. Number one is this. Good Christians make good citizens, as we already saw in a previous sermon, but they also make good financial risks. They make good citizens, but they also make good financial risks. Landlords shouldn't have to hound a Christian to pay their monthly rent. And doctors and lawyers and candlestick makers shouldn't have to send your bills to collection agencies to get you to pay your bill. Because Christians are good financial risks. We pay our debts. We pay up. But in addition to Christians being obligated to pay the things that they're billed for, there are some things that we should pay out even though we're not billed. The church, this church has never sent you a bill for your tithes and offerings. We're not going to do that. We mentioned that that's a good thing to do, and the Scripture tells us we should do that. In fact, we saw in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, contributing to the needs of the saints. We're expected to help other believers in the local church and in the church universal, practicing hospitality. We're supposed to share things with other people. You see, good Christians view money as a tool to be used to express love rather than a treasure to be loved and hoarded. And so God gives us money so we can express our love to Him. That's one way we express our love to God is we give the money back, some of it. He lets us keep, hmm, you can keep 90% or 80% or 50%, whatever you feel God should have you keep. You get to keep that and the rest is given away to show that you love Him. Money is a tool to show that you love other people. But the problem is we tend to start loving the tool. <laughs> we start to love money, and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice how the Apostle Paul connects love, the right kind of love, with money in verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone, that's the money side, and then in the same verse, he says, but to love one another. The one debt that is never paid in full is a debt to love someone else. That's a debt that you always owe, and it never can be fulfilled. There's a second thing there on your notes. If you're taking notes, number two, it says, loving others is good debt that you owe daily. Loving others is good debt that you owe daily. It's never paid up. Now, the English translation in verse 8 tells us to love our neighbors. One commentator says the, about this passage, he says, Love for the neighbor can too easily be misinterpreted as love for the like-minded man who is congenial to me. In other words, we think the neighbor is the person we like. And yeah, I love my neighbor. I have a great neighbor, a great friend. And we love those who love us. But that's not exactly what the text is saying. You might have a marginal note that tells you that really that word neighbor is not the word neighbor in the Greek. It's the Greek word the other. It says to love the other. And the Greeks have two different words for other. One is other of the same kind, someone who's like you. The other Greek word is a Greek word means other of a, another kind, a different kind, someone who's different from you. And the word that's used here in the other is the other of a different kind. It's a Greek word, eteros. 
heteros, often pronounced with a H in English, heteros, and that's where you get the idea of heterosexual. It's when you love someone of a different sex. It's that Greek word heteros, or heteros, as we say in English, which means another of a different kind. And so that was, what we're being told here is that we are to love someone who thinks differently than us, who acts differently from us, who maybe believes differently than the way we believe. We are to love the other, the other who is different from us. And Jesus pointed out this kind of love, this type of Christian love, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is contrasting the love that non-Christians have for other people with the kind of love that Christians should have. And in Matthew 5, picking it up in verse 43, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, and then he quotes the saying, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And you go, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And he goes, but I say to you, love your enemies. Your love should be different. And pray for those who persecute you. Verse 46, for if you, as the followers of Christ, love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same. Tax gatherers, the most despised people in their culture, even they love people who love them. And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same, the unbelievers, the non-Jews? G.K. Chesterton, who was a great British lay theologian and philosopher and writer, says that the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. <laughs> I don't know if that's true for you and your neighbors, but that leads us to our third point that we want to mention this morning. Number three on your outline is this. As a Christian, your love should stand out from the rest. As a Christian, your love should stand out from the rest. As Christians, people should know we're Christians by our love. That sounds like a song from the 70s, doesn't it? That Jesus says we should look different because we follow Christ, we love like Christ, we love others like Christ loves them. Our love should stand out. You see, when the Bible tells us to love our neighbor, it's not telling us to love the person that we choose to love. It's telling us to love that person that God puts in our path that He chooses for us to love. And that person that God puts in your path for you to love might be repulsive, might be needy, might be racially and culturally different from you, like in the story of the Good Samaritan. And that was Jesus' point. Because as a Christian, your love should stand out from the rest. Our love should be exceptional like Christ's love is exceptional for us. It's undeserving. It's unmerited. It's totally without limits. It's gracious. And a Christian's love isn't just based on our feelings. Because a lot of times we don't feel like loving that person, of course, when they're another of a different kind. Our love is based on truth on God's truth. And truth and love must never be separated. Recently, someone in the church asked me a really important question, and it says, well, what's the mission of Kailua Community Church? You know, and I get that confused mission, goal, vision, you know, things like that. So I just say, well, let me tell you where we're headed, because I think that's really important to know. And 
It's number four there on your outline. I put the word your in there so you can make it personal, but you could say our mission or your mission. Number four is this. Your mission is to reveal the love and truth of God. Your mission is to reveal the love and truth of God, both of them. How? Through how you live and how you speak. How you live and how you speak. Your life should be filled with truth and love, both by your actions and by your words. In Psalm 40, verse 10, King David's writing, and he writes these words. He says, I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. And when I was asked the question, like, what's the mission of this church? I realized I'd been concealing this great truth. (laughs) So I don't want to conceal it anymore. I want you to know that we emphasize at this church the teaching of God's truth and the living out of God's love. We need both truth and love, as we illustrated in the Cholin sermon. They need to be balanced. You need to have both. Your mission, my mission, is to reveal the love and truth of God. And we do it through how we live and how we speak. Apostle Paul demonstrates that the word love is not just a feeling, it's also a verb. Love is an action. It's living out God's truth. And back in Hebrews 13, verse 10, notice how the Apostle Paul points this out. He says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, And he doesn't say is a good feeling. He says love is the fulfillment of the law, and the law is God's truth. And you can't fulfill God's truth without living out love. Verse 9 of Romans 13, he gives us a list of some of God's truths. For this you shall not commit adultery. If you love someone, you don't steal their spouse. That's the truth. You shall not murder. If you love someone, you don't take their life. You shall not steal. If you love someone, you don't take their things away from them. You shall not covet. If you love someone, you're proud of what they have. You rejoice with what they have. You're not jealous of it and try to get it for yourself. If there's any other commandment, any other truth, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The law is God's truth, his moral standard, and you can't fulfill it without doing it in love. The Ten Commandments, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but they are divided up with the first four which have to do with our relationship with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments, the next six, have to do with our relationship with other people. First four tell us the truth on how to love God. The next six tell us the truth on how to love others. And that is why when Jesus was asked to summarize God's moral code, summarize God's truth, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus responds this way. Matthew 22, verse 36, someone comes to him and says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What's the greatest truth that God has given? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That summarizes the first four commandments. 
This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That summarizes the next six of the Ten Commandments. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. All of God's truth depends on how you love God and others. They go together. This emphasis of truth and love is found throughout the Scriptures if you start looking for it. Let me just mention a few verses. Again, King David, writing in Psalm 25, verse 10, he says, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. All the paths. Any path you take that God's leading you on involves a balance between truth and love. And if you are not following after God's love or His truth, you're not following God's path. Apostle Paul says a similar thing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, speaking the truth in love. We need love, we need truth, we need the balance. Your mission is to reveal the love and truth of God by how you live and how you speak. Jesus said it. King David said it. The Apostle Paul said it. And the Apostle John says it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. John says, little children, that's you and me, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love can't be disassociated from truth. Which brings us to number five in your outline, a way of summarizing all this. Number five, to be a well-balanced Christian, you need both love and truth. To be a well-balanced Christian, you need both love and truth, which we demonstrated with our little monkey over there with the bananas. He needs both. And sometimes it's hard to get a good balance. When you discipline your child, I commend you for then grabbing them and holding them and telling them that you love them because they need the truth of how to act, but they need to know that you've done this because you love them. And it's not loving to love your child and let that child go away from God's truth. We need both, love and truth. It has been well said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Love and truth. To be a well-balanced Christian, you need both love and truth. And I've observed that uh, the evangelical church, which we are part of, puts a strong emphasis on God's truth, as we should. We don't preach from the newspaper. We don't preach from what's politically correct. We don't preach all this social stuff. We preach the Bible. We preach God's truth, whether it's politically correct or not. We emphasize God's truth, and that's an important thing. But the problem with the evangelical church is sometimes we're out of balance when it comes to showing people God's love. And then we have the liberal church. And the liberal church often doesn't preach the truth. They don't use the scriptures. They try to preach things that are politically correct and not to offend everybody. And yet, when we look at the liberal Christians, they are very loving toward the poor and the needy and the people that we consider odd or strange or different from us, and they're very loving. And so, both the evangelical church and the liberal church have it right and have it wrong. We are to preach the truth unashamedly. And we are to love others unconditionally. We are to do both. 
And if you come to the church, this church and only feel God's truth or hear God's truth, we have failed. And if you come to this church and all you experience is love, but we don't teach you the truth, we have failed. We need a well-balanced Christian life, which balances truth and love. So if you find yourself out of balance today, don't get rid of what you have. Add more of what you don't have. I started this message by talking about two things that most people don't like to do, the dentist and go to the dentist and paying taxes. There's a third thing that most people don't like to do. Go to hell. Now, I'm not telling you to go to hell, okay? I'm just saying that most people don't want to go to hell. And did you know if you don't have the truth and you don't have love, you go to hell because hell is a place where they have abandoned the truth of God and abandoned the love of God. And in the scriptures, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, I pick it up in the middle of a verse. They're talking about the Antichrist, the, the future evil world ruler who's deceiving people, trying to get them to go to hell. In the middle of that verse, it says, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Why do they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Truth matters, but so does love, and we need both in balance. As a Christian, make sure you pursue the truth, but you do it in a loving way that draws others to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes so you can have a private moment even if you're watching us online. I'd like you to look at your heart and is Jesus there? Have you invited him in? The truth is without Jesus, you go to hell. The truth is that he loves you so much he gave his life to die for you, to pay for your sins, to make you perfect so he can take you to heaven. Have you embraced the truth and the love of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I invite you right now you just cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave and conquered death. I ask you to come in to my life and save me. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. May we walk in truth and may we walk in love. And we pray these things through your name. Amen.